A little bouncer slowly toward Bryant. He will glove it and throw to Rizzo. It's in time. And the Chicago Cubs win the World Series. I remember running home from school, turning on the TV to the Cubs game, sitting with my dad to watch his heroes. Welcome to the World Series Dreaming Chicago Cubs Dreamcast, now hanging out with Obstructive View. We are not affiliated with the actual Chicago Cubs, we're just a bunch of fans who love the local nine and talk to baseball, including the 2016 World Series champion Cubs. This is Ken with me is Skip and whoever else decides to join late today. Uh, it's the new year. It's 2024. It's uh, seven days in. We are a week in. Nothing has happened since the last time we podcasted, literally. Uh, there's been like a couple of maybe minor league signings. Uh, I don't think there's been any trades of note. There, there might have been a waiver claim or two, but Essentially, like it's radio silence from the Cubs end. Uh, but before we get into that, how are you doing, Skip? I'm doing good. Um, we had a nice, long, relaxing holiday, and uh, which I actually took off and didn't work. So that was pretty great. And um, the weather's been good. So, yeah, um, I'm, I'm actually doing really good. How about you, Ken? I'm doing well. We got to hang out with family over the holidays. I got, you know, Legos with my uh, nice adult money, thanks to the wife. And, uh, yeah, just built a lot of Legos and had a blast doing it. And, yeah, just uh, trying to figure out what the heck's going on in the world of Cubdom, uh, because uh, the real world's kind of crazy right now. So trying to distract myself, but there's nothing to the really distract us with because there's been nothing to talk about like everything right now is basically who did the dodgers decide to sign today (laughs) and today i think it was teoscar hernandez (laughs) so that was pretty crazy uh i think they just signed them to like a one-year 23.5 million dollar deal about nine million of it apparently is deferred uh, over the next decade after this one-year deal. So I, I don't know what that's all about, but I guess everybody's just like, hey, you know, the, the Dodgers have everybody good right now. Let's just go with them. And they happen to have lots of money, so we'll take some of that too. So, you know, I, I think the team that's going to be super happy about the way the Dodgers is working right now is the um, the Las Vegas A's because it'll be about 10 years before they're competitive. And at that point, maybe with all this deferred money, the Dodgers won't be able to buy everybody up. And so they uh, they might actually be able to, you know, compete for some free agents and not have to worry about competing with the Dodgers so much. That's an interesting idea, because right now, like, I think the A's have some issues. They haven't even put out renderings of their new stadium yet. And Nevada did approve all, all their millions of dollars of money so that they can move to where, I guess, the Tropicana is right now. And they don't have a stadium plan. And it, it just sounds like nobody knows what's going on with the A's right now. But they also don't need to move out of the Coliseum 
until after this year at, at the very earliest. Uh, at that point, it's just like, where are you going to play? <laughs> Uh, so they either have to play where the the Triple A team is in Vegas. They have to play at Oracle Park when the Giants are in town, or maybe they go to Sacramento or San Jose or where whichever random uh, minor league ballpark there is. Or they might play at my high school. It's got a pretty nice field. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, all that's the- so good. All that's uh, well, it's probably enough for the you know for the number of fans that they draw. But um, the uh, you know not having a plan in place is, seems kind of par for the course for for the owner of the A's whose name I can't remember, but I know that uh, you know all of you guys out on the West Coast um, can say his name in between expletives whenever you want. So um, John Fisher. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, that is. Yeah, he's uh, not good with the public and has probably made a very, very, very bad decision. Uh, lots of people seem to agree, including former and current players, that it's a bad decision. So I don't know what's going on with the Vegas move. It makes very little sense. Uh, they're going to at some point talk about expansion. So that could be interesting. But yeah, I thought. We could use most of today to just talk about what's going on with the Cubs and their radio silence and then just try to think of ways that if they wake up before spring training and decide to sign somebody, maybe this will be the front runner for the NL Central because the other teams have done very, very little. So yeah, yeah. how's that for a plan, sir? I love this plan. I'm excited to be a part of it. Let's do it. That sounds good. As the spring gave away to summer, past the ivy-colored dreams, toward the days that kept us yearning for tomorrow's. Uh, I put this post in. It's probably pretty pretty deep now behind on, on Obstructed View. But, you know, remember a few years ago, the Cubs waited until know practically right at spring training um and they got you darvish and that that was you know that turned out pretty well despite his injury in the middle there but um you know this is doesn't seem out of character uh for the cubs and in part because you know they they tend to like to wait out the market and they don't leak a lot of information and so the the combination of those two um those two things really makes you know, for a lot of teeth gnashing. And then I don't, I mean, I'm gnashing my teeth too, because it feels like they should have made some moves already, even if it's with the bullpen. Um, but, you know, they've, as I mentioned before we got on the recording, you know, they've cornered the market on AAA catchers and they've added, a, I think, maybe one or two depth pitchers, you know, that are basically going to be, uh, you know, those guys they try to, uh, find diamonds out of out of coal from uh, as they shuttle them back and forth to Iowa, but um, you know it doesn't really feel like this is totally out of character for Jed or or the Cubs in general. Um, even Dansby last year, you know, he was the last of all the shortstops signed, and and he was like right before Christmas, right? And so um, there had already been lots of signings before that. Although I guess now that I think about it, we had Stroman that was signed pretty early, but even then, a lot of the other pitchers were off the market. 
Yeah, I think uh, if they were going to an extreme case, the, some guys who got the QO, like I think Kimbrell had a qualifying offer and they had to wait till after the draft to sign him that year. So that's like a worst case scenario. Um, I just feel like the fact that uh, Shohei Otani and Yamamoto waited so long to declare their decision that it basically bumped everybody back because everything was kind of predicated on where they were going to sign and how much were they going to sign for to set the market. But there are such unique cases that I, I don't think it should matter to the other guys. But at the same time, maybe it does because whoever was going to spend the boatloads of money that, you know, whether it was deferred or not, was not going to be able to spend anyone else. And so that that did kind of delay everybody. Um, that, that's the only thing I can really think of, really. It's just a, we have a very thin free agent class. There aren't too many pitchers that you want to, you know, absolutely have on your team and even fewer position players. So it's kind of like the teams can wait out the agents and the players. And that's what we're seeing now. And as a fan, it's just not very entertaining. But as a, you know, the baseball franchise representing the team that you root for, I guess it's just what smart business looks like these days. Yeah, I suppose so. And, and you know, considering that, uh, I mean, I think you're right. I think those two guys did delay the market. And so in that case, what are we? We're really only on week two or week three of the free agent market in that scenario. And uh, and certainly we've seen a lot of, um, you know, a lot of signings this week to some of the kind of the mid-range free agents or the lower tier free agents. So you, you're starting to see some movement here and there. Um, you know, there's, I think there's only one center fielder left now that, now that tail scar signed and that's, you know, that's Cody Bellinger. So, um, you know, so, uh, maybe, maybe some things, some other things will start to pick up a little bit. Yeah. So I was thinking like we, we are bored out of our minds and this is an entertainment sport after all i i did write a post <laughs> about this i'm pretty sure the players union would never ever allow a deadline on free agency uh so and i would agree with that because i think that teams having more money and you know a base level of profits are more than happy to just say, I'll take the money and not pay you, and you can just not work for a year. And that's going to be tough for a lot of people who are basically in the Andre Dawson blank situation if there's a deadline. You know, like you're either taking this money or you're not paying for a year. Playing for a year. It's just the way I'm thinking of the free agent deadline. However, yeah. a trade deadline is different. A trade deadline basically says, you know, there is now a moratorium on trades between, say, the end of the Rule 5 draft and the and opening day. Like, once opening day hits, you have a trade period between opening day and the trade deadline, which is now sometime in, like, you know, uh, some sometimes between, like, July 29th and August 5th or something like that. So that kind of makes sense. 
to me is to just force them to say, I'm going to make my trades and now I can focus on free agency. And the other idea that I had was just like, you know, forget about secrecy and stuff. Just put it all out in the open. That way you can either see collusion real time or you basically remove the collusion and say, it's all out in the open. We think you're worth this. If I think you're worth more, I'm going to bid on you. And mm-hmm. it's out in the open so that the media can't screw it up like they did with the Shohei Otani situation. And we we basically see it real time as fans. Yeah, so I guess um, I'm not sure. I'll, I'll take each of those things separately, maybe. I'm not sure the trade deadline thing works, at least with the... Uh, uh, you know, where you have it placed, because uh, don't you kind of want to know which free agents you're going to get first before you make some trades? Um, because maybe you're planning, OK, I'll sign a couple of free agent pitchers and then I'll trade and get a better outfielder or something. But then if the pitchers go somewhere else, then you need to make a trade for a pitcher. And so maybe the trade deadline um, should be a little bit later. I'm not really sure about that. So Plus, I, I put a few different deadlines. Like, you know, the latest I think makes sense is the arbitration figure exchange date, which is in January. Mm-hmm. So by January, you have had like two whole months since the World Series ended. You've got to know what you want. Right? Yeah. And by that point, you've had enough. Yeah. And you've had enough time to engage the free agents and try to you know, and, and sign them so that you can make your other trades. So that makes uh, some urgency in signing free agents, too, so you can make the trades you want to make. Uh, I think that actually makes more sense. Um, I think I'd probably open it up again maybe two weeks before opening day so you can, um, you know, so you can mm-hmm. make some trades for guys that are, you know, to maybe to clear up your 40-man roster and, and you know, do some, some cleaning like that. Or if you had an injury and you need to make a trade during spring training, you can do that. But I could see a, a moratorium there for, what would that be, like mid-January until uh, mid-March? That, yeah. that makes some sense. Yeah, yep. So yeah, Because by the mid-March, you've had two weeks of, Cactus League or Grapefruit League, you know who might be like, you know, nursing an injury or might be out for the season, and now you you have a chance. Uh, the the thing thing with making the trade deadline after a free agent sign is that that kind of suggests that you need a free agent deadline, and again, I think that would be very detrimental on the player side because the billionaire owners can basically wait them out. And a lot, like half of them, at least don't want to spend money anyway. <laughs> so right. No, like I, I agree with like, that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and sure. I don't, I don't think there should be a free agent deadline. Um, I think that, uh, but I do think if you had a trade deadline in, in mid January, then, um, you know, if you're trying to construct a solid roster, you'd have to, it would actually force you to think a little harder about, you know, signing some guys you really want out of free agency. So I, I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the Teoscar uh, contract is apparently $23.5 million. I said that earlier. 
15 million is going to be paid this season. The rest is deferred for 2030 to 2039. So it's not even starting next year. It's like he's got to wait five extra years before he starts receiving payments. So it's like a delayed Bonilla deal. Uh, (laughs) It's kind of weird how how they're able to do that. I, I wonder if the players union is going to address that if, you know the owners will address that because obviously the Dodgers are being super creative and flexing their muscle and saying okay well the rest of you guys will spend so we will and we'll win a world series hopefully uh if they don't we all get to laugh and laugh and laugh for a decade but uh you know chances are they are probably the best setup on paper to win something right now so would you say fifteen million deferred? Fifteen million is going to be paid this coming season, and then the rest is deferred. So that's eight point five million over ten years, starting in twenty thirty. Okay, so the the uh, competitive balance tax value of that is going to be something like I don't know nineteen million instead of twenty three. Uh, so what that suggests is that um, maybe Hernandez wasn't getting offers that were more than 18 or 19 million. So he's going to get more than that, um, you know, equal to or more than that by having this deferred contract. But um, or maybe he was only getting $15 million uh, offers. He had a really bad year last year. Um, yeah. But he but he also played in a bad hitter's park. And so so essentially they're giving him like a Cody Bellinger contract. It's a pillow uh, hoping mm-hmm. they get a good year out of him. And then and he's hoping for the same. And then he'll, you know, go back into free agency with Scott Boris and ask for, you know, 10 or 12 years and three hundred and fifty million dollars. Right. And then then he'll sit around till February of next year. <laughs> Or maybe I'm just too cynical. Maybe. Well, we'll see about that. I feel like you're you're right. This is essentially his pillow contract. Um, I'm not entirely sure who else would have been equipped to do that. I guess they're deciding, you know, kind of like the Cubs did, that they're the team that's financially capable of taking that risk. They're going to take that risk. Like Obviously, they have a very smart front office. Uh, they have the financial muscle to also sign two of the like best athletes in the world, uh, theoretically anyway. Yeah. Uh, given that one of them has never played an MLB, but uh, also if that many people were in on that level of talents, like it's it's probably real, right? Because uh, I I don't feel like I'm smarter than anybody else. So if those people who are paid lots and lots of money to figure that out are going after them, then that talent has to be legit. So I'm kind of intrigued to see how he does. I'm also kind of intrigued to see if, like, you know, if for whatever reason Patrick Wisdom has to hit against them, maybe he'll hit a baseball like 700 feet. That might be very cool, too. Uh, But... uh, yeah, uh, it's like the. I don't think it's sour grapes, but I have this 
thing where I want them to fail on the field, but I also know that they were two of the players that I really wanted to be Cubs. <laughs> so I think that's kind of suck on our part. Um, the guy who is still available, and I think his post date uh, comes this week on Thursday, the 11th, is uh, Shota Imanaga. Uh, I believe he's left-handed, right? I think that's right. I'd have to go back yeah. and double check. I know he's still around. Uh, I mean, he's his, and you're right. His uh, his posting date, um, you know, that's uh, that's expiring pretty soon. So somebody's got to sign him because, you know, I, I can't imagine he's not going to sign for something because he's going to make way more than he would in the in the Japanese league, and the and the host team's going to want the payout for it too. So even if he doesn't get a hundred million or whatever. I I gotta believe he's still gonna sign. Uh, yeah. I'd be I'd be super shocked if he went if he didn't. So um, yeah, and I think uh, the Cubs are probably in on him. Like we don't know for sure. It's just a lot of this is speculation on the part of the media, uh, just based on need. Uh, if he were to become come to the Cubs, then that would be potentially three left-handed starters. And if the Cubs were to then make like a last-minute deal for, say, a Jordan Montgomery, that's four lefties in, in the rotation. I'm not entirely sure that's the best idea, but also if they're really good pitchers, who cares, right? That's right. Uh, there, there's a potential that Wicks can be the fifth starter, or they could just say, you know what, we need to build up your innings. Why don't you pitch in Iowa for a while? And I don't know if that that matters or not, you know, because I feel like they're just artificially uh, restricting the number of innings these young guys are allowed to throw in the minors, and then they're going to build them up in the majors like they did with Steele. Because I, I think we, we just kind of saw that skill was really, really good for like 80% of the year. And then he just ran out of gas. So I don't know which is the better strategy. Do you let them build up their strength and then uh, risk injury? Or do you mitigate that and then uh, risk them just losing steam at the tail end of the year when you're fighting for a playoff spot? So a very tough question. Well, I, I'd say um, I'd rather them have, you know, if they're going to throw innings anyway, I think I'd rather have them throw them in on the for the major league club if they're if they're actually doing a good job. And what I probably would do is, um, you know, look at my pitching staff as, uh, you know, seven starters and two of them, you know, kind of alternate months or something like that. And so. You know, Drew Smiley's better in relief, uh, I think, than as a starter. But, um, you know, if, if Keegan Thompson had been better last year like he was the year before, I could totally have seen him being a starter, say, for three weeks at a time and then go back to the bullpen and, and throw, you know, uh, two innings every third day or something along that line uh, to kind of manage some of that some of that workload. Um, and they did that a little bit with both Thompson and Steele the year before. And, and um, I, I think that that's probably the way once you've shown you can produce in the major leagues, that's I think for me, that would be the preferable way to do it if you're trying to limit innings. Um, 
you know, one one weird thing about Immaculate Grid is you go back and you look at some of these guys that pitched, you know, 50, 60, 80, 100 years ago, and, and you know, they were throwing 300 innings or they threw 40 complete games in a year or something like that, and you're like, wow, you know, where did these guys come from and how come they uh, were able to do that? And I, I don't know the answer to that. Um, some of them had fairly short careers, but... Um, I mean, it's it, it just some sometimes it just feels like we're too conservative on a lot of that. Yeah, but maybe also, also uh, yeah, just maybe also it's it's because everybody's throwing a lot harder than they used to, too. Yeah, I was going to say that. And I think back then it was considered not manly to just say, hey, I'm hurt. I can't throw today. They're, they're just going to fight through it and, you know, their elbows hanging by a thread, but you don't know because they're, they're like tough manly men, right? But uh, nowadays, because they're being paid so much because this is such a huge investment, they, they have to be more transparent about it and they're just more careful for, but for their investment, you know? So that's part of it, I think. And also just the way analytics is, uh, it makes sense to win at all costs but it's just not fun to watch that kind of thing you know and i, I know that at some point somebody's gonna throw like 250 million dollars at blake snell like that's cool he, he gets strikeouts he walks a billion guys a game he's not fun to watch like i i get the analytics part you know i <laughs> i would support it i just want it to be fun i don't mind get people pitching to contact strikeouts are just two guys standing there you know they might throw it around the horn and yeah that's cool but that's not a play like i'd rather see somebody spray it across the field and hit it gap to gap and you know occasionally it's fun to see a homer but it's just like the all or nothing approach because of analytics kind of like you know how in basketball they used to have mid-range jumpers and now it's either a layup dunk or a three-point attempt and there's like no mid-range literally no mid-range uh jumpers anymore it's really crazy and so the games in in all leagues has gotten a little weirder i don't think hockey's changed too much like it's still just like pass the puck and keep it away from the other guys and try to score uh i don't think that the game has changed too much but you you can see the trying to get away from pitching the contact, racking up the strikeouts, uh, powering the ball over the fence so people can't catch it. That that's probably what we're what we're seeing uh now with the with the way pitchers are being handled and whatnot. Yeah, it's a good point. And you know it's it's funny you brought up Blake Snell because there's you know, every time I've seen him pitch, there's something about watching him pitch that I've never been able to put my hand my finger on about, you know, what's wrong with this game. And you just explained it to me. <laughs> yeah. It's because, you know, he's a he's a three true outcome guy and uh, and those games aren't fun to watch. And I hadn't really I hadn't really put it in that in that context before. But, um, I mean, I, I, I the games that he pitches in, they just bore me to death. And uh, that's why I guess that's why. So, um, yeah. you, you still need a swing and miss like key strikeouts are good. They're yeah. very exciting. But if a guy's going to strike out like 30% of the time or the, you know, like half the hits that he hits are home runs, 
and things like that. There's just not a lot of action in the playing circuits. And that's that just gets boring. Um, yeah, it's it's a really tough problem, but I, I do like the way the last year uh, kind of sped along. Like they were saying, oh yeah, it's we we saw that in April. It was at two and a half hours, and then it's crept up to two forty. So we're going to change, just tweak the pitch clock a little bit more, things like that. They finally did. Uh, implement the rule where where that you, you know how like a catcher can throw it into a guy's back if he's like in the wrong part of the of the runner's lane between home and first uh, i think they took care of that because now the lane is extending to the dirt imprint on, on the infill grass on the on the fair side so that's good yeah uh, there's but uh, aside from the rules, like we do still need good players. And I was just seeing like names come off the board, like a lot of folks in the discord that I'm in right now were thinking of, say, Sean Manaya. And now he's a Mets because yep. Sean Manaya has been signed for two years uh, with the Mets for a contract that seems like something the Cubs could have done. Now, there are two possibilities. One is that they weren't willing to pay that much. Uh, the other is that they never were interested in the, the first place. So I, I don't know which is the true possibility, but possibility one, where they weren't willing to pay that much, suggests that they're secret poor. Possibility two suggests what I was thinking, which is that he's just not that good. Uh, even if he could be potentially useful and solid, you know. So that's one. Yeah. I ha I have noticed that like guys like Hader and probably some other relievers that I can't even think of right now have not signed. So that part of the of the uh, market hasn't moved. And you know, there there's just the Cubs have a floor for a team that. You know, if they brought Cody Bellinger back, they maintain that floor. If you put in the Craig Council uh, factor, maybe they squeeze an extra three to five wins out of that. And then they're in the playoffs. I feel like it's a missed opportunity if they don't do more. And I think there is still time to do more. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, there's there's a lot of the players that the Cubs have been rumored to be in on you know, aside from the big two are still out there, right? So Reese Hoskins is still out there. I would expect him to have a decent year coming back. Cody's still there. Um, you know, it, his his market may come down to a place where the Cubs are going to, would be willing to sign him. So that sort of makes sense to me still. Um, there are some good pitchers out there still, you know, Montgomery's still there, uh, Blake Snell, eh, you know, whatever. But um, I mean, I guess they could go with, Somebody like um, they could re-sign Stroman. They've got Mike Clevenger that's out there. I mean, I, I don't really know. Um, uh, the, a lot of the relievers are still around. So, you know, it's it's not like the, you know, the, the shelves are empty at this point. It just feels like the, you know, the Cubs are only shopping one aisle and they got outbid right away. And they haven't, you know, managed to walk into the other part of the store yet. And, um, you know, hopefully they'll they'll get going on that. You know, in, in the meantime, 
Um, you, you know, you mentioned it didn't seem like anybody else in the Central's done much, but Cincinnati's done a pretty fair amount. And um, and I, I got to say, at this point, I think they're probably the front runners, you know, for the division next year because you know they have signed, you know, some hitters and some relievers. They already have a, a good young core of starters. They signed Montas the other day and. So for me, they're the and they've got some infield depth that they can trade to other places if they, um, you know, if they need to, uh, you know, where they can maybe pick some other guys up. So I feel like they're the ones that have really made the move this year to take a, a really open division. So um, at the very uh, least, they've raised their floor a little bit. I feel like a lot of it is just the make the pitching more respectable respectable than it was last year. Uh, I think the Cardinals were trying to do something the same. Like they basically like I, I think the joke was that they signed like the most homer heavy guy and the most uh hit heavy guy. And then uh if they signed Blake Snell then they're gonna get the most walks as well. But they mm-hmm. did get Sonny Gray. And so that's at least solid. You know, and they don't have to deal with Wainwright anymore. So that's the addition by subtraction, right? So they're probably better. They've just lost uh, Tommy Edmond for a while, though, because he had wrist surgery. So I don't know how that much that affects them. And also Arenado and Goldschmidt are a year older. And Arenado just, like, did not win a gold glove for the first time in a decade or something. So maybe that's a sign of something. And in terms of decline, eh, it seems like wishful uh, thinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's probably still going to be good. And yeah. well, this is all off by like diving for a grounder that we were pretty sure should get by. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know that signing Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson really made St. Louis any better. Um, Sonny Gray does, but um, yeah, I, they. They did stuff, but I, I'm not sure that I feel like that they're really very threatened with what they've done so far. So, mm-hmm. and you know, Milwaukee hasn't really done anything. They re-signed Miley and Colin Ray. Uh, and they picked up um, Joe Ross, who's had some good years, but he didn't pitch last year, right? So, um, mm-hmm. I guess they're hoping something will come back from him. So, did the Pirates do anything? Are the pirates even allowed to do anything? <laughs> uh, yeah, they uh, they re-signed Kutch. They uh, they took Martin Perez's. Um, let's see, did, was he a free agent or or was he uh, the guy that you know the, that Atlanta traded? Seems like Atlanta unloaded one of the bad contracts that they took on to Pittsburgh. Um, I completely forget that that sounds about right though. They they took a bad contract and then they did a flip because the bad contract was in concert with someone that they actually did want. Right, it was Uh, Seattle. They trade away Von Grissom and I forgot where he went to. So that that might have been that part of it. He went to um, Boston for Chris Sale, and then they extended Chris Sale. That was a big one. Yeah, and thankfully the Cubs only have to play the Braves like six or seven times. Yeah, rather yeah. than the thirteenth. So. Yep. Yeah, because that seemed like a pretty good trade to me. Um, 
So even though Sale's been injured, he came back last year and he seemed to be doing pretty well. So, um, yeah, yeah, you know, um, I mean, really, every team, every team has done something except for the Cubs. It's amazing. So, yeah. and maybe how, it's a good thing that they're not spending their way out of or just spending for the sake of spending because they did that a little bit uh, last off season. They got like Mancini and Barnhart and Eric Hosmer on like the basically the prorated label now. Yeah, and I feel like they're point where they're just like I'm, I'm not taking reclamation projects i need this just based on what the front office is saying they're like we need to leave spots open for guys who are going to trickle up from from the miners uh and we're not going to waste that roster spot on a tucker barnhart you know so maybe that's that's a good sign they're just waiting out the pricing for these big guns uh, one way or other, we're going to learn something by Thursday about Imanaga. Uh, there is like, you know, an optimistic, uh, hope that he becomes a cub. And the only issue I have is that like, you know, he's another kind of soft tossing lefty, relatively speaking. And he also gave up a lot of home runs. So that's kind of scary, especially uh, at Wrigley Field. So I don't know. So he could be the second coming of Steve Trout. <laughs> I don't think uh, I was a Cubs fan back <laughs> when that happened, but uh, I imagine it was kind of a uh, annoying for y'all. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I think he led the league a couple times in home runs allowed, and uh, and I'm pretty sure he was a lefty, um, and he was also uh, and he was also um, pretty slow to the plate. And actually, now that I think about it, so is Steve Traxel. So maybe, uh, maybe he's, I can't remember if Traxel was a lefty or not. But um, if Imanaga no, slo- was righty, he was a righty. He, okay. He, he would not have survived the pitch clock, I don't think. <laughs> no way. No way. So, um, well, anyway, yeah. I, I mean, um, uh, you know, home runs aren't too bad if you're only one, if they're solo shots, right? Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I, I still think he's probably better than a lot of the, uh, a lot of the other kind of mid-level pitchers we could get. So, um, you know, I, I, I'd be excited to see him. And, 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 and frankly, you know, I, I'd be, I think it'd be kind of cool to have another Japanese player on the team. So yeah. um, I think that's pretty neat. I love watching uh, Suzuki play. I like the, you know, the energy that he has. Um, I think him and Morel, you know, they it's nice to have some some big personalities on the team, you know, whether they speak English or not. I think that's that that actually makes things kind of fun. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, so that'd be good. And I, I mean, I have no idea what kind of personality this guy is, but um, but uh you know, they, they, there is sort of a different energy sometimes with Japanese players, and I think that'd be pretty cool. So, yeah. I think, uh, you know, you had on our agenda today the what our wish list should be for spring training, and um, I think my wish list is the same as it was, you know, two months ago, the last time I was on a podcast. You know, relievers, a starter or two, um, somebody that can hit, uh, somebody that can play, uh, first base and somebody that can play third base. 
Yeah, I when think Morrell's going to be the third baseman if they just give him the reps. I think he so. was pretty. It sounded like he was pretty bad at third base in, in the winter league. But, you know, he also made a couple of uh, really nice plays that I, I saw videos of. So it's not like he's a complete disaster. I think he just needs reps. Yeah. And I think they should give him a bigger runway during the Cactus League and during practice. Uh, if they were to sign Cody Bellinger, there's your center fielder and occasional first baseman. If they were also to sign Reese Hoskins, there's your first baseman slash DH. Uh, so there, there's like a lot of different things they could do. If Matt Mervis remembers that he's supposed to be good, there's your first baseman too, you know? So it's, that's right. It's like there are options. They're not all sexy. But they could work. And like, you know, the I, I think the baseball prospectus guy yeah, like once ran a team and they wrote a book about it. The only rule is that it has to work. So, you know, it might be terrible. And the Cubs are not a franchise that should be beholden to like money ball principles. Uh, they should just spend money, but uh sometimes they don't. And if that's the case, then you hope that the guys and Charger smart enough to build a, a club that still works. And that's really all we want. We want a club that gets to the playoffs so that they have a chance. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, the, the team that would really be super dominant is the one that goes out and, and spends a ton of money when they, when they can and they need to, and they have the depth to back it up. Um, and then they use the money ball for the depth stuff. And I, I kind of, you know... I'd like to believe that's where the Cubs are trying to get to. Um, I don't believe they're there yet because, you know, we haven't seen the depth really come through. But that could be, you know, what we're going to see in the next year or so as some of these younger guys start coming up. But um, if that was the case and they could keep bringing in the depth and then signing players, you know, the top end with a top amount, then they'd be the Dodgers of the of the Central and nobody could touch them. But hmm. You know, well, you know, we haven't seen any evidence that they're willing to do that on the spending side. And I think we see some evidence that it might be happening through the farm system. But um, but, you know, we're not quite there yet. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's sort of my most optimistic um, explanation so far. Yeah, but there is still an uh, entire month before spring training, like before they even report spring training. So there's time. I, I think the next time we'll get any kind of news is during the uh, arbitration exchange date, which is on the 12th. Is that? That's Friday uh, as of this recording. So That's right. In the Naga on Thursday uh, some, at some point. Uh, we got the arbitration numbers on Friday, and Friday is also the start of the Cubs convention. I don't think Jed cares one way or the other if he's booed off the stage because <laughs> they don't operate like that. But uh, it makes sense to, to sign somebody before then just for the optics. But I, I also think the uh, family isn't holding a, a panel, even though they're going to be at the at the convention. So. Uh, they they won't be uh they get they won't get focused rage, but the front office will because they still have their their segments. <laughs> yeah, that that could be rough for them. 
if they don't do something. Well, maybe they'll sign Michael Lorenzen by then. Yeah, that, that seems like a good... good. Uh, basically, I'm looking for something that pushes Justin Steele to a number two or a number three. Oh, well, and, I don't think that person is out there at this point. Um, maybe... Yeah, not I even mean, Montgomery? I mean, maybe... I don't think yeah. Montgomery is a top of a rotation guy, but he's still pretty good. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's he's the closest one who would do that. Yeah. Um, you know, what's going to happen is uh, this is, you know, this is kind of what happens is we do a podcast and then you have to try to edit it, which which you've already said you're you're you, you're not going to do that much this time because it's some travel and stuff. But then something happens. So it's probably a good thing we're recording tonight because that means something will happen tomorrow that's important that we yeah. might have wanted to talk about. So let, let's hope that that's, it's that way. Yeah. And then we might do an emergency pod on like the Tuesday after Martin Luther King Day. Because uh, maybe something happened during the Cubs convention or we got some arbitration numbers to talk about or they actually went nuts and traded for like Jose Ramirez or something. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would be amazing. Uh, the, the prospects are there to make it happen. The Guardians just have to want to do it. <laughs> and, That's right. That's right. And I, I think c- he has to waive his no trade clause. But yeah, that, that could be a lot of fun. You just want something to happen, man. It, it, it's been rough. And I don't envy the guys who actually have to have to rely on generating content because, you know, they live by clicks and if there's no content now, they have to make stuff up. And that's why we had the really horrendous uh, Shohei Otani is flying to the Toronto situation. We don't want that. We just want something to happen. And the Cubs are so good at keeping secrets that they might as well be be like, you know, the CIA or whatever. <laughs> Well, that's why I think, you know, um, the the players, the one place where I think the players have kind of an unfair advantage is that apparently the contract, which you've read and I haven't, um, allows them and their agents to say whatever they want. But it uh, it prevents the teams from saying things because of collusion. And um, Mm -hmm. and I and I mean, I don't think there should be collusion. But I also don't think that uh, the agents ought to just be able to make up all this stuff um, mm-hmm. either. And so so I, I really uh, for me, I would rather that nobody be able to say anything, even though that will mean that there's a lot less to talk about because you won't have all these rumors. At least the rumors that do come out might be based on something that's a little more legit. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I kind of, you know, it's an it's. The like the Shohei thing, that's more annoying to me than not having any information. So I would. Yeah. yeah. So I'd like to see that be something that, you know, it, it need that part of the playing field needs to be more even than uh, than it is right now. I, I think that's uh, probably about it for this yeah. session. Uh, we we will hope that you are right. That like within <laughs> five minutes of us hanging up, Bodie Bellinger signs for like two hundred million dollars, and they 
uh, has come to agree with Imanaga and they mm-hmm. trade it for, you know, Shane Bieber and Jose Ramirez or something crazy like that. Uh, yeah. Find all, all the people. That, the, the money's there and the want is there. The manager is in place. There's a floor. So even if they did nothing, like this team's winning like 80 something games, which is, which is fine, but they need to get to the playoffs because like wasting uh, these guys while they're under extension and while they're still good uh, makes no sense to me. So I, I'm pretty sure they are going to do something. And it, it seems to me that unless they come into a situation where the Japanese guys just really, really want to be Dodgers because, you know, L.A. has the best Japanese food or whatever, you know, <laughs> uh, they, they should be able to get their man like they did with Hayward and Lester and everybody else back in the day. Yep. Uh, yep. Usually when they want somebody and they, they have a plan, they get that somebody. So I, I feel like they would know more than us. They wouldn't let somebody, you know, uh, swipe it, swoop in at the last minute. They, they would get that somebody. So that's my cautious optimism here. <laughs> Sounds good, Ken. Um, I just hit refresh on MLB trade rumors, and there's um, nothing new to report. So we're going to have to wait at least, you know, another 10 minutes. All right. So in the meantime, guys, I think we will come back after the Cubs convention. And, uh, yeah, just thanks to Rich Deanna for our theme song, Randall Sanders for calling the final out call from the 2016 World Series. Uh, thanks to Obstructive View for hosting us, uh, obstructiveview.net. Uh, thanks to you for hanging out with me tonight uh, as we debate and discuss things that haven't happened yet, but hopefully will soon. So, yeah, we'll, uh, go Cubs front office, I guess. Please, please be busy. <laughs> it was more than just a game.